peace and blessings to everyone from here in northern Indiana. This will not be your typical episode here on the Four Cats and Plaid show. If you're listening at the time this is going out, we are in the Passover slash Resurrection Day season. Normally here we have fun and talk about football and a few other things. Today we're changing pace with something more thought-provoking. I have a confession to make. Yes, I like to talk about football, politics, and a few other issues. Given the times we live in, the world needs a little more hope in it. I'm not talking a man-made hope that can easily be crushed by a slightest whim of emotion. Hope is not some mere emotion. Hope has a name, and I'd like to talk to you about that hope-made reality. The way I'm choosing to address this isn't a bit of a challenging way today. Our culture has this issue with being a one-strike-and-you're-out mentality. Did you know that in the days of Jesus, him and the people of Israel had to deal with the same kind of people? A so-called religious establishment? This very establishment tried to cancel Jesus for a moment, it looked like they did. All of that was because Jesus upset their control. He upset their gatekeeping on how people could and who could meet with and encounter God. Look at how he called out the religious establishment in a very harsh way in Matthew 23. He showed grace and truth at the same time in John chapter 8. And through his passion, canceled the power of sin, death, and tyranny. First of all, I'd like to say, he canceled tradition with truth. In Matthew 23, Jesus simply lets these guys have it. For all our Bible reading, we will be using the New Living Translation. In verse 4, he says, They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. To me, that tells me they were negligent at best. Don't get me wrong, there were probably a few good people who were trying to do the right thing. But by and large, and at worst, these folks were downright abusive. Their hearts were not about serving the people. They were about money and jockeying for political power. Why do you think the rightful line of priests, some say John the Baptist and his family, were of the rightful line? They weren't the high priests. Could that have been because of political wrangling? 
who knows, maybe we'll find out someday when we are there. When we stand before God. When we give an account of how we lived our lives. Going on to verse 13. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves. And you don't let others enter either. It, from what I'm understanding, I see Jesus calling him out for not encouraging people to draw closer to God. Jesus made that so simple. To quote not only a friend, but my pastor, Jesus complicates, I mean, no, no, no. Religion complicates what Jesus made simple. I mean, continue on. In verses 23 and 24, it says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest of income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. Yes, you should tithe. But do not neglect the more important things. What it's talking about here is, well, yes, one should give the 10%, which is the tithe. But it's obvious to me, and I think it was obvious to Jesus, that these guys were using a good thing, the law of God is a good thing, they were using it to browbeat people. Yes, the law of God is good. It's the teacher that shows us our need for Christ. But these guys had no compassion. And he basically calls them out even further here in verse 29. What sorrow awaits for you, teachers of the religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build tombs to your prophets your ancestors killed. Yeah. Their ancestors, they killed God's anointed prophets when they were calling the people and leaders themselves to repentance. And yet, These guys just don't care. And yet they're trying to say 
If we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would have never joined them in killing the prophets. As it says in verse 30. But in saying that, in verse 31, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Go ahead and try to cancel me, is what he was saying. I dare you. He calls them snakes. He asks them, could they camp, escape the judgment of hell? Could they, have can could they cancel the judgment of hell? Well, I hate to break it to them. They can't cancel that. Because that's the decision of the Father. Simple as that. Later on in verse 34 it says, Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and wise men and teachers of religious law. But you will kill some by hanging them on a tree. You'll whip them in your house as a worship. In their day, it'd be synagogues, chasing them from all over the place. As a result, they will be held accountable for the murder, the, can the life cancellation of all the righteous people from Abel to the prophet Zechariah, who they killed between the porch and the elder. And it fell in their generation. That's the thing. Christ is calling those who are pastors and teachers, evangelists, church planners, apostles. Yes, lead and guide your people through my spirit. But show people compassion. This next part, he cancels legalism with grace. Look at what happens in John chapter 8. We have an obvious case where God's righteous standard was broken. When God's righteous standard is broken, that is sin. And in their best expression, that righteous standard was the law of Moses and the Torah. And the religious leaders wanted to corner Jesus and engage in some canceling. They brought a woman to him who was unfaithful to her husband, and they caught her in the very act. My question is, where's the guy in this instance? Some think he was one of the accusers, but only the father knows. 
the Old Testament law required this woman to be canceled via the death penalty. We have all fallen short of God's righteous standards and deserve to be canceled. But Jesus, he didn't join in on the canceling. He tells the crowd, let he who is without sin cast a first stone. One by one, the crowd walks away. And the only person left was Christ himself, who, guess what, had the right to throw the stone. Because he's God wrapped in flesh. He has been completely faithful to the righteous standard. He has been faithful to Torah. He has been faithful to God's law. And he tells her, go and sin no more. He didn't throw the stone. Mercy, in this instance, canceled the power of the law. She was shown a, re a reality that we, here in the 21st century, many of us have come to understand this. We all need His mercy and His grace. To cancel our debt, our guilt. I wish the CW would have done this for the actor who played Elongated Man. I'm not familiar with everything that was said, and apparently it had been about a decade ago, he had said some very mean, hurtful, and disrespectful things, but for the most part, has lived his life since with a more compassionate and respectful tone. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like it. And it, But, if you're familiar with the Gina Carino incident with Disney, it sounds like Disney may have backed off. And that's a good thing. And number three, he canceled sin's power. He canceled death's power with freedom and life. The establishment was incensed. They wanted, they made the best attempt they could to cancel Jesus for good to the point of even one of his own. Yes, one of his own. Chose. 
in a very vulnerable moment. And served as a guide to the temple guard. And what proceeds is the religious establishment violates the very law they were supposed to be the most passionate upholders of. And to make a long story short, they had Christ executed with assistance from the Roman government by hanging him on a cross. And guess what? At that point, they thought they had canceled Jesus. The enemy of our souls thought his elaborate plan to cancel Jesus was working. But this is where the story takes a crazy turn. I'm going to Matthew chapter 28. I'm using Matthew because in so many instances, Matthew, is, Matthew says, and this fulfills the law and the forerunning prophets. I'm going to start with verse 1 here in chapter 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went and visited the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For God's angel, one of God's angels came down from heaven. He rolled the stone aside and sat on his face shone like lightning and his clothes were shining like white as the snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him. And they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid. He says, I know you're looking for Christ, Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly. Tell his disciples, tell his students that he has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women... The emotions had to be running in ways that I couldn't understand in this 21st century reality. They had, these women had stood side by side helping Christ and the disciples as they were teaching the kingdom. They were teaching the gospel of the kingdom. And to have seen him brutally executed the way he was. And now he's alive again? 
In verse 9 it says, As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. They ran to him. They grasped his feet and worshipped him. It fully dawned on the women. They realized he was God in the flesh. He had done everything he said he was going to do. He tells them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. I'm not going to go into necessarily the reaction of the religious leaders. But I'm certain the devil himself knew he had been defeated. That's right. Because of Jesus rising from the dead, he made a complete mockery of the enemy and his agenda. And that is a God I can count on. I know there have been times some of them even very recently where I where some things in my life had taken a sad turn. It was the enemy trying to take me out. And though the enemy may have delayed the full manifestation of God's plans and purposes for my life. The enemy has made a fatal mistake. He doesn't realize he can't cancel me. I'm already in Christ. Regardless of what man could do to me. I know my purpose. I'm out here trying to make a difference the best I can. Yes, I'm not perfect. But Christ is all that I can rely on.
And if you don't know Jesus right now, it's so easy. It says in Romans that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Just believe in your heart and confess that He is Lord and that He did what He did. And your sins will be forgiven. And if you want to do that right now, we'll just simply pray like this. Dear Father in heaven, I'm a sinner and I need your son to uncancel me from your book. I choose to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he would do. Please forgive me of all all my past mistakes, all my present ones and all my future ones. You are Lord and I am not ashamed of that. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Let it be so and let it be done in Jesus name. chosen to make Jesus Christ your Lord one of the most valuable things you can do is find a good faithful Bible believing church I live here in Fort Wayne in Indiana I know of several just in this city alone who teach God's word straight and simple and to the point There's my friends at Elevate City. There's my friends at Pine Hills. There's my friends at Grace Gathering. And for those of you who don't necessarily live in North Indiana, Northern Indiana or Northeast Indiana, I know of many good churches. If you're in Central Indiana, there's Fuel Church led by my friend Jake Burgai. There's New Life Church in my hometown, my old home church, led by Devin Galloway. If you're in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina area, there's New Spring and there's Barefoot. But if, there, if you're not in those areas, I know for certain there's good Bible-believing churches in your area. Look for them. Search them out. And at some point, 
Join them. Serve alongside them. And they will help you learn how to draw closer to God. I know this has been a different podcast. But I can't forget to close out with how the four cats are doing. They're doing just fine. They're being a little wild. My niece and nephew were in town and as a result they've been a, the kids and the cats have been a little wild. And that's okay. But right now I'm looking at Jordy and he's being all nice and peaceful. And that's one thing I'd like to leave with you. When you come to faith in Christ, you are at peace with God. You get peace with God. And that's an awesome thing. Thank you guys for joining us on this special edition of the Four Cats and Plaid Show. On the 5th, on Monday, we will be doing a special edition celebrating Star Trek's quote-unquote First Contact Day. Thank you, friends. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, and give you peace. Amen.